Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast for Friday, August 28th. I'm Carolyn Gonzalez alongside my co-host who is finally joining us on the show, John DeShazer, and from New Orleans.Football, Nick Underhill. Nick, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No problem. J.D., you know what? He's giving me, we're on Zoom, and he's giving me kind of a little bit of a death glare for saying he's finally joining us, but we know you've been busy. That wasn't a shot, J.D. Look, this is like the mob. You know, you try to get out, and you just, you just, <laughs> so I, you know, I guess I'm just going to be here until I'm Michael Corleone. I mean, let's keep over one of these days, I guess. Hey, we, we know you're done working at 1030 every day, so there's really no <laughs> After practice is over, he's just done for the day. Um, we got the same job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> speaking of y'all's job, I just wanted to let you guys know, and J.D., you tweeted about it earlier in the week, you guys just aren't using social media to its full potential. You guys, you know, J.D., I know you got teens earlier today. You guys need to start tweeting out everything that you're doing to optimize all of social media. Well, clearly, I'm too old for social media because, I, you know, I'm not, not tweeting what I'm eating. I'm not tweeting when I work out. I'm not, you know, showing people my socks or my long you know, whatever it is these folks are doing. So, I mean, I am way, way behind the times. I got to I gotta speed this thing up because I'm looking at people that show all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it, it's making me reconsider who it is I follow and who I don't. Absolutely. Nick, I have to let you in on a story. Uh, J.D. FaceTimed me the other day. Well, I FaceTimed him, really, uh, because he wanted a picture of himself that he could post on social media. And I was like, that's my guy. He's finally getting <laughs> Every now and then, you know, every now and then I'll have that, you know, that real spike of vanity and when it shows up and then, and then I feel ashamed that I feel kind of ashamed that. You should, you should. Nick, uh, sorry for annoying you with our um, jabs back and forth with each other. Let's get into some football. Obviously you're back with the New Orleans Saints. Happy to have you back on this uh, kind of odd season uh, that the Saints are going through, but you've been out at training camp every day that uh, media has been, um, able to be out there. First of all, what's your overall um, observations? You know, you were gone, you were with the team, then you went to the Patriots, then you came back. What are your overall observations from the Saints so far? Uh, it's a much happier and friendly place to be than <laughs> New England. <laughs> um, no, you know, I, I think the team looks looks great. You know, overall, the defense I've been really impressed with. You know, for me, the one guy that I was kind of going into camp most interested to see was Sheldon Rikens. I kind of feel like He's a tipping point player for the team where, you know, if he's just is out there, they're still good. But if he's who he was two years ago, they go from good to great. And I think for me, my main observation is just seeing him out there with the burst. He looks quick. He's getting a lot of pressure. He had his uh, two sacks today. So that was good to see. And then Janoris Jenkins, too, I think is, you know, having a really, really good camp. So just overall, all the things, most of my questions are on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is going to be the offense. And a lot of the things I was hoping to see, I've seen, and, and you know, I, I think the Saints look primed to do what they should do this year. I want to say on the defense real quick, and this will be a question for both of you. Nick, we'll go to you first. But I, I've heard a lot about Marcus Davenport. It seems like in training camp, um, the past two years, we've heard, oh, it's going to be a big season for Marcus. This, you know, you're expecting him to kind of blossom a little bit. And we've heard that again this year. In y'all's opinion, Nick, again, you first, what has been his development? What's shining for him? You know, there's times where he just, his presence is almost overwhelming is the word I would use, just his athleticism. And he just like engulfs people when he, when he hits them. It's just like this big, huge athletic guy. And, you know, when it, when it shows up, it stands out. He's been out for the last couple of days for undisclosed reasons. Um, 
But yeah, before that, I, I feel like the same signs with, with Rankins. You, you see the burst and the athleticism. And I just think that you can see too that there's just a little bit more of a, a plan and patience to some of the things he's doing. And, you know, he was drafted. They said he was a raw player. It's year three. I mean, we're probably at the point now where, where Ronis is no longer an excuse. And I think he would probably say that too, that, that this is the year where everything kind of needs to come together for him. And I think we've seen positive signs of, of that happening. You know, we'll, we'll see as it goes into the season. But I, I kind of, you know, I, I would predict if he plays 16 games, I don't think nine, 10 sacks is really an outrageous thing to, to expect from him. J.D.? Yeah, well, Caroline, we talk about this all the time. You know, what's the, what's the most prominent ability? Availability. Uh, he's got to be on the field. Uh, when he's on the field, he can make a difference. He's shown that. He's got the kind of that athletic ability they just talked about it. He really does kind of just swoop in and engulf people. Uh, he can get to the quarterback. He can play the run. But he's got to – the main thing, he's got to be on the field. He, you know, the nagging injuries or the major injuries, and I understand, you know, you just can't help it sometimes. I mean, injuries are injuries. But when you're talking about a guy that – what the Saints gave up to get him, to bookend him with Cam Jordan – He's got to be available. He's got to be on the field because he can be a, a really special player at times. You've got to get the consistency out of him, and the only way you can get consistency out of him is to have him on the field. Um, guys, I feel, again, this is going to be a question for both of you. I feel like I'm going to um, get a little bit of Janora Shankins, which you just talked about, Nick, in this, in this answer. But position group, is there a certain position group that maybe coming into camp you weren't certain about but has now really, really excelled so far in camp? I think the easy answer there is cornerback. And just I think you kind of knew the baseline for uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins, that there was a floor that was really high. I think it's even higher after seeing Jenkins just the way he's played. But my one of my big questions was, was third cornerback. And I think it still is a question because, you know, P.J. Williams and Patrick Robinson are who they are. Like, we've seen them on the field, and, and there's been, you know, some let-ups and inconsistencies with them. But if you packaged either one of those guys in a different number, in a different name, the way they're playing in camp, we would be extremely excited about the, the play they're getting out of those guys. And P-Rob's been kind of one of the early stars at camp. He had another interception today. Then the undrafted rookie, Keith Washington, has also played good. So I feel like that there's a lot of options there. It's just the options they have, we have preconceived notions on. And if these guys got better, it's just a little bit hard to believe it right now until we actually see it happen in a game. J.D.? Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. I mean, the quarterbacks, the defensive backs have jumped out. Uh, P.J. Williams – you know, PJ's kind of a hybrid. You don't know if he's a, a corner or you don't know if he's a safety. He can do some of both, but, you know, which one is he better at? So, you know, they have him working nickel and dime and they have him working some at safety. And, you know, he's a really good player, but can you depend on him as a third corner? That's a great question from Nick P. Rob. How hurt was he last year? We know he got injured two years ago. How injured was he last year? Because he didn't look like the same guy who came over from Philadelphia a couple of years ago. So is he back to full health? and full strength. He certainly looks that way right now, but is he truly back, you know, when it gets, you know, to game time. And so, you know, they've got to find a third corner. They look pretty solid at safety, but they've got to find that those corners that they can depend on behind Marshawn and Jack Rabbit. Staying on the defensive side of the ball, um, J.D., I'll let you go first on this one. The linebacker position is a position at the end of last season, uh, unfortunately suffered a lot of injuries. You had Kiko Alonso go down, Alex, Alonzi, Alex Anzalone, excuse me, at the beginning of the year. What are you seeing out of the de development at that position? They, the Saints brought in some young guys. They cut Nigel Bradham at the beginning of camp. What are you guys seeing out of the development in that position? 
Well, somebody young is going to have to play. I mean, we know DeMario. Okay, you can depend on him or you feel like you can depend on him. Can Anzalone, again, can he stay healthy enough to be productive throughout, you know, the entire season or at least, you know, 14, 15 games, you hope. Uh, beyond that, you know, everything's an unknown. Can Caden Ellis play? He got hurt last year. Can he, can he play for you? Um, the young guys that you just mentioned, can those young guys get in and give you something uh, in terms of, you know, playing? Can they, you know, is Kiko Alonso going to be able to come back? You know, and what, at what point can he come back? At what level can he come back? You know, all of these are questions. Really beyond DeMario Davis, there are a lot of questions at that position because, again, Alexander Loney is your known quantity, but he hadn't been healthy. So, you know, beyond DeMario, there, to me, are a lot of unknowns there. That's one of the reasons you track Zach, Zach Bond. Unfortunately, he's missed the last few practices with an injury. So, you know, you don't know what you have at that position. Yeah, and A.J. Klein losing him in the offseason certainly didn't help because he was a consistent player for the Saints. But, Nick, go ahead on, on continuing your part of that answer. Yeah, low-key losing A.J. Klein was kind of like an underrated thing just because of what you said. He, he gave you a very solid veteran presence. And as J.D. said, I think, everything after the, the top couple guys. And then really after DeMario is jumbled just with questions and injury concerns and all that. The one thing I think the Saints can do, even if things work out, they might look to do this. But if things don't work out there, the depth gets thin. They have enough players at safety that I think they can move one of those guys mm -hmm. down into the box and excel. And that could be something that, you know, Malcolm Jenkins does a little bit. And he can sit down there and just, you know, read things and, and try to jump passes and, and make plays. And P.J. tackles really well, too. You could put him in the box and, and count on him to make some plays down there. So I don't think it has to be just a, a linebacker. And, you know, using a safety is one of the themes of this offseason that they've talked about is positionless players. You put so many safeties out there, a Tom Brady's going to be able to read the field, but a, a younger quarterback, a Kyler Murray or, or somebody else, they see all these safeties out there. They aren't going to be able to get a good pre-snap read. So I think that's just another way they could disguise some of the stuff they're doing. And that's where C.J. Gardner-Johnson comes in, too. He's one yeah. of the positionless guys, and he wants to be in the box. He's got the temperament where he wants to get in there and hurt people. He <laughs> box. So I could see him playing a lot in there uh, if it comes to that. Can we, just, can we just clear the air that I am very happy that he is okay with us calling him C.J. Gardner-Johnson or C.J. D.J. and not just C.D. Deuce? Because I already have Jack Rabbit to keep up with. Now C.D. Deuce. That's going to be a lot of nicknames. Pat's going to have to keep up with there. Well, he, he went from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to C.J. Right. Gardner-Johnson, and then he went to C.D. Deuce. He was like, man, you, you come, you, you're coming at us fast now. You got <laughs> You know, we're, we're journalists now. We got to, you know, we, we're not, you got to slow down for us here and kind of and kind of walk something, you know, walk it back a little bit for us and let us know what's going on. That name changes as, as uh, fast as his play on the field. Um, I'm not going to I want to go to offense and the quarterback room and I'm not going to use the, the nickname that Nick doesn't like. So I'm not going to use that. But thank you. Um, <clears throat> how much does it benefit this offense to. Um, when you're talking about your receivers, tight ends, everyone who's who's a part of this offense, getting reps in with guys like Drew Brees, and then getting the difference of guys like Jameis Winston, who has a little bit more oomph behind the ball, a little bit more velocity, guys like Taysom. How much does it overall help this offense develop, or does it? I mean, I I think it's good that they have high quality players that can get the ball out there, and you know, it does give them a little bit of a different look. You know, I I've been impressed with. Jameis more the last couple of days than I was early on in, in camp. I thought there were some struggles. Today he almost got to the finish line. That His second series wasn't great, but he got in bad field position with two sacks and then kind of just threw the ball up and got picked off by Keith Washington. But 
you know, I am encouraged by some of the growth we're seeing out of him day by day. The mistakes that he's making, I think, are, are becoming lesser and he's making better. It just seems like things are slowing down for him. And I think the one thing we got to remember is, is that they've had 10 practices. So that's OTAs plus one practice. at right. this point. So it's not like we would never go into OTAs and be like, ah, oh, this quarterback is this or this quarterback is that. We just kind of watch it and be like, oh, he did a couple things well and like move on and not make much of it. And just because of the way this offseason is, like we're analyzing things that are probably unfair to analyze. And I, I think that, you know, that's part of the thing with Jameis right now. And, you know, personally, I'm going to try to wait to have a take on him. And I don't know if we'll ever know what he is going into the season, which kind of stinks because you'd like to know if he can compete to uh, if Drew retires to, to come back and replace him. But I don't know if we're going to be able to tell by the end unless there's just an incredible run over the next week. JD, I want to switch up the question a little bit for you since I realized that probably wasn't the best question. Um, when you're talking about no, a guy like no, actually, actually, I'll, I'll, that, that's a really good question, <laughs> and I like to answer it because, <laughs> because with Jameis, you, you think about it. You know, with no with no off season, no OTAs, no mini camp, no quarterback school, no ability, no chance to work one on one with receivers. Those are hundreds, maybe thousands of reps he didn't get uh, with this team and with these receivers, and so. You know, the chemistry, you know, you can see him trying to fit some things where it probably just doesn't feel comfortable right now with his receivers. Uh, he might not know exactly where guys like the ball. They might not know exactly how he throws it yet. And, and so, as Nick said, you know, 10 practices, you'd look at that any other time and say, man, it's ridiculous to make any kind of a judgment at all on anything. But this is what we have. And so that's what people are doing. You know, they're, they're running to judgment on it. And it probably isn't fair to him because he just hadn't had any time in the system to actually do it. You know, going through Zoom calls and going through the playbook isn't the same as getting on the field and actually throwing the ball to a guy and him being where he's supposed to be and getting those reps in. So the offseason that he missed, you know, I think really has stunted his growth with the Saints. And I don't, Nick, I don't want to ask you for any hot takes here, but staying on Jameis, you know, obviously coming off of that year with, with Tampa Bay, the decision-making comes into play. And we heard that from Sean earlier today, how that decision-making is, is coming along. When do you think we'll see that comfort level kind of fully develop for Jameis? Is it going to be at the end of the season since we've had a shortened off season? When do you think we're going to see that, that development of his decision-making? I don't know if we'll, we'll see it all the way. You know, like by the time camp closes, the, the curtain's going to close. We aren't going to see him again unless they re-sign him and bring him back. So if we do see it, I think it'll be next summer. But, you know, that, that's one of the things that, that I think is going to help is that Drew doesn't throw on Wednesdays during the season. And Sean has talked previously this offseason about possibly dialing threes back on, on Thursdays as well. So now they'll get two days a week, possibly at least one, to eval evaluate these guys pretty fully. Whereas, you know, when, when they had Garrett Grayson here, Drew was throwing every day of the week. McCown was throwing every day of the week. Grayson would basically go through training camp and not throw again until like the next training camp. So there wasn't a lot of evaluation there. He couldn't take the stuff he was learning in the classroom, take it on the field, make those adjustments, and then move on and get better. Jameis will be able to do that. So they're going to know a lot more than we do. I would just love to know, you know, on September 4th, September 5th, whenever camp ends, hey, Jameis is, is this, and, you know, they can do this post-freeze. I don't know if we're going to be able to answer that. And, and that is a little bit frustrating because I think that's the biggest question with the team right now. Right. You know, Drew has made it sound like he was really close to, to possibly walking away coming into this season. So, you know, you got to treat every year like it's his last one. And I don't know, you know, really with either one of these guys yet, 
if we know if they can actually take that job. With Taysom, the evaluation is a little unfair too because he isn't going to be just this pocket passer running the Breeze offense. Sean will, you know, scheme things up for him, get him one read throws, uh, use his legs and do different things like that. So both these guys, I, I don't think that we're going to have the information to really have a fully informed conversation post-Breeze until one of them actually takes over. JD, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, exactly. I hate to keep agreeing with Nick because, you know, but you know, half your job. But it's true. But it's true. I mean, you know, he, he makes great, valid points. And, and I, I will say this for, for James Winston too, for him, and and I don't care what you say, it's going to be difficult for him to not press. And I know guys say, you know, relax and you know, don't force it. James Winston gets a limited amount of reps to show what he can do. So that'd be like, you know, me working for you know New Orleans dot football, and Nick writes, you know, six articles you know, where he's done film study on guys, you know, from their throws from kindergarten. And then, <laughs> and then, and then he throws me a bone and says, okay, I want you to write the next one. Man, there's going to be some pressure on me to produce when I get that, <laughs> when I finally get that chance. Now, Jameis Winston, you know, he might not get a chance to throw until those Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I don't care what he says. He wants his teammates to see what he's got. He wants the coaching staff to see what he's got because he doesn't know if his future is going to be here or if he's playing for another team, but he wants to put something, you know, on film or something, you know, in their minds that make them say he's our guy and he's got limited opportunities to do that. So, you know, I, I don't care what he says. There's a, there's a, a certain amount of pressure that goes along with what he's doing this year. Hot take, uh, JD is leaving for New Orleans. Football. He's still on <laughs> no, I'm going to get him. But see, Nick gets him from kindergarten. I'm going to get him from the crib. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> from the way to the wastebasket. Yeah. Um, he he guys, drew like a defensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> guys, a player I have my eye on for a big year this year is Jared Cook. And I don't know if that's a, a good take, a bad take, but I want to know your thoughts on that take because we didn't really see that chemistry between Drew Brees and Jared Cook develop until the latter half of the season last year. Um, and it was great when we did see it. But what are you expecting now that he's in year two out of Jared Cook and that chemistry with Drew Brees? Nick, you can start. I think that's a tremendous take. I, he's kind of the guy that I thought is going to, you know, come in and, and have a, a really good year. The only question for him is, is if he gets the targets, but I think, you know, on, on film, he'll probably have his best season ever. I, I think we were seeing that towards the end of last year. And there was a stretch there where if you take like his last six, six games, stretch it over 16, it's, it's a thousand yard season. So I think that he can produce at that level. It's just, there's a lot of mouths to feed at this table. And, you know, if Emmanuel Sanders is getting his targets, if Alvin's healthy and getting his targets, he'll take on a bigger role. We're seeing Ty Montgomery emerge, and he looks like somebody that's going to need the ball too. So, And then, of course, Mike Thomas, you know, he's, he's going to get his 130, 150, 180 targets, whatever it's going to be. So where's Cook fit into that? I don't know. But if Drew has that guy he can throw up the seam to, if they have their chemistry, I, I really do think that he's going to be a huge part of this offense. And whether it's 1,000 yards or, or 800, I think his efficiency numbers and visually – he's going to look better than he ever has. Yeah, I think the chemistry's there. We, we saw it over the latter part of last season. But Emmanuel Sanders is kind of going to come in, and Emmanuel Sanders can do it. I mean, he, we, we've seen him do some things in practice where it's like, you know what, you add this guy, and all of a sudden, you, know, you, you might want to double-team Michael Thomas, and you might want to pay some extra attention to Alvin Kamara, and you might look after Jared Cook, but you don't want to fool around and leave that guy one-on-one -on -one too much with anybody. 
because he can do some things. So, but Jared Cook, I, I, you know, when he gets the ball in his hands, you know, again, it might not be as often as last year, but he'll make big things happen just because he'll be in situations where I think he's going to get some isolations and he's going he's going to wear out some DBs. Last question before I let you go, Nick. Um, your dark horse of this year, obviously you were talking about the shortened um, offseason. There, there hasn't been OTAs, no minicamp. It's kind of been harder to evaluate some guys. But this Saints roster is having little turnover because they've been consistent year after year. Um, but, J.D., this, this question is coming to you next. Your, your dark horse to make this roster in training camp. Nick, sorry, you can go first. Well, my dark horse that I was going to take just tore his triceps. It was going to be Jalen Dalton. I thought he was doing really good in the early part of training camp. And uh, now he's gone. Um, you know, just based on opportunity, if Kiko Alonso isn't coming back, I think my next pick would be probably Chase Hansen. Okay. J.D.? Oh, see, now I was going to go a linebacker, too. So now I got to go somewhere else because Nick <laughs> making stuff. <laughs> now, you know, because you, you can't double up in the same spot like that. You got to so, let, let the guests go first. I'm going I'm to go with Keith Washington the second just because, you know, he's looked good at corner. Uh, I think they're going to, you know, you can't have too many good corners in the NFL. And, and I think the Saints are going to take a really good hard look at him and see if he can fit in behind, you know, Marshawn and Jack Rabbit and, and PJ and P Rob. So I think he'll get a good look. All right. Well, Nick, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show. Nick, can you tell everyone where they can find your stuff if they haven't heard it already? <laughs> yeah, it's right behind me, New Orleans Football. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Nick underscore Underhills. We tweet out everything there. So those are all the spots. All the football updates and no food updates. Nick, we appreciate you coming on. <laughs> you've got to change it to, you've got to change it to, you know, at machete. <laughs> All right, thanks to Nick for joining us on the show today. Of course, as he mentioned, you can subscribe to his uh, news outlet, neworleans.football, for more information if you want to take a deep dive further into the New Orleans Saints. Of course, we have our own John DeShazer to provide you with all of the updates and analysis on neworleansaints.com. If you haven't uh, been updated in the sports world on news coming out from the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans camp, uh, on Friday it was announced that Mrs. Benson did – test positive for COVID-19. Uh, according to a statement from the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, she is progressing well and improving daily. She has not missed a daily work call with the Saints and Pelicans staff, nor has she missed any NBA or NFL owner calls in the recent days. She was not hospitalized, emphasis on that. She was not hospitalized, which is of course a good sign, and is recovering at home. She thanks everyone for their thoughts and prayers. That was an official statement um, from the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. So. You can find that and more information on it on neworleansings.com if you'd like to find out more about that. But of course, that was the official statement uh, from the Saints and Pelicans. That'll do it for today's edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. As I uh, mentioned last week, they, Fox 8 is rebroadcasting four of the Saints' most epic games. There are two more available for your viewing pleasure on tomorrow. Um, 
not on tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, on Saturday, there will be a rebroadcast of the game Saints versus Dolphins from October 25th in 2009, the epic comeback. So again, that will be Saturday, August 29th at 7 p.m. Central. So make sure to tune into that. And then the final one will be on Saturday, September 5th. So next Saturday, uh, that game will be the December 10th game from 2006, Saints versus Cowboys. So uh, be sure if you haven't, tuned into those two games uh, prior to these two. You can watch these next two on Fox 8. Um, and we have all of that information available to you on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. All right, for Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll tune back in next week.